0: Welcome to the Renaissance Church Podcast. Our mission is to glorify God and to make disciples by bringing the gospel into all of life in all the earth. This is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church here in Richmond, Texas. And if you've not joined us in a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we would love to have you join us. You can find out more information at rin churchorg And I pray that you are encouraged and edified by the proclamation of God's Word today. If you're new with us or you've been gone a lot this summer, we are in a series on the book of Ephesians. We just kind of take the the summer to walk through books of the Bible. And so we're in Ephesians, which, by the way, is a very ambitious goal to go through the book of Ephesians in a summer, because if you know anything about Ephesians, it is one of uh, what scholars call the greatest works of Paul. Romans and Ephesians are these incredible books that he wrote that are full of theology, and in 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 Ephesians is the this theme of in Christ, this union in Christ, and so we just call the series, in. We're in Christ, and we're we're uh, talking about what it means for us, and we're gonna be in Ephesians chapter five if you want to turn there with me, and we're gonna be just looking at these very practical instructions that Paul gives. So if you're, again, if you're new with us, we've done a lot of looking at the theological parts of this book in the first half, but now Paul's kind of landing this letter and he's getting very specific with them about what does it mean now, in light of all these things that we've been talking about, to be in Christ, to be united to him, what does that look like for us to live, to walk, okay? And so this morning, uh, I, I want to begin with this idea. It comes from cha- um, chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. To be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Now, that word to imitate. Uh, the, the, the Greek word that the original language that was written in is the word from which we get our word to mime or to mimic, all right, to, to mimic God as dearly loved children. Now, we just sang a song, uh, Christ is my firm foundation. In that first verse, it says he's faithful through generations. Now, did you know that our God is a God of Generations. Right. He, he's a god of generations. In fact, if you look back at the Big Ten, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the, the tablets that God inscribed with His own finger, right? This in the Big Ten, I, I think it's the fifth commandment it says to honor your father and your mother, and it's, it comes with a promise so that you might have a long life, right? That it might go well with you. But then it says that um, that God, he, he is a jealous God. And that when there is wickedness in our generations, that it visits the third and fourth, but here's the gracious thing, he says, but for those who love me, right, he, he, he visits blessings on a thousand generations. So I wanna talk just for a minute about the generations, our families. How many of you have a mom? Wow, 100% today. I wasn't sure how that's going to go, right? How many of you have a father? Yeah? Like a biological? hundred percent of you. These days, you don't know anymore. So we have to ask the question, okay, if you have a mom and a dad, right? Of course we all do. That's how the Lord created us. That all of us have A generational line we all have a family line and I hope that your family line is full of so many positive good awesome things that you're walking in like that thousand that thousand generation blessing where you have people in your family that have followed the Lord who have been faithful that have taught you things along the way that have shaped you right and you're literally living in the blessing of the people before you and if you're a parent in the room right? What, what you pursue in your faith with Jesus has ramifications for the generations coming after you. Like, it's, it's amazing. God would bless the generations. But you know how this is, right? Because you do have a mom and a, and a dad, that we all know that there are things probably in our families that maybe were, uh, if they weren't bad, you know that it's not quite what the Lord had intended for your family. Amen? right? Some of us, our family systems are very broken. And maybe there's some things that you've seen in your family because of brokenness, sin, the fallenness of our nature, that things that we get handed down and we feel the impact, we feel the harm, we feel the destructiveness of family systems. And what Paul's gonna talk about today is this word to mimic or to imitate the father. And I just wanna give you a principle uh, that that um, is in this. And again, if you've been following us, Paul's been talking about a father who, 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 who calls children that were in God's household. And so this principle is this, new father, new family. New family. New footpath. I'll say it again. New father, new family, new family, new footpath. There's a saying that we use. And it's this, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Have y'all ever said that before? The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Now, sometimes we can say that in a very positive way. You see all these great characteristics in a family, and then you see the children, and you're like, oh, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. And we're like, awesome. But most of the time, when we say the apple does not fall too far from the tree, what we're talking about is that there were some negative things happening. You know, it's not good. And we're seeing this pass down from generation to generation. So the title of my message today is, let me say this the right way, the tree that the apples shouldn't fall too far from. Okay? The tree that the apples shouldn't fall too far from. And here's the message of of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, is that Jesus came to take all of the the wrath that you and I have deserved because of our sins and to absorb them in himself to become sin for us so that he could usher us into a new family where we could have all that stuff cut off of our lives through Christ, through his blood that covers us, and that we would be welcomed into the, the household of God, meaning that you have a new family and you have a new father in the Father God. A new father, a new family, a new family, a new foot path. In 1992, in a little laboratory in Parma, Italy, researchers had hooked up an MRI machine to a macaque monkey, okay? Okay? And they were uh, just kind of reading the signals of this monkey 's brain, and the monkey ate a banana and they watched all the like things light up in his brain as he was eating the banana but then uh, some say that this happened by by kind of accident, uh, a a man comes into the lab and he also picks up a banana. Maybe he's hungry and he begins to eat the banana and what they saw was that the very same parts of the brain that were lighting up as the monkey was eating the banana was lighting up while he's watching somebody eat the banana. Okay. And what was discovered is what they termed mirror neurons. Have you ever heard that before, mirror neurons, right? And so they they think that the reason that your baby, when when you're smiling and you're going goo-goo-ga-ga and all that stuff in the baby's face, right, that the baby's watching you and it's beginning to learn and it's it's beginning to copy you. It it will smile. Your baby will begin to make sounds. And if you've ever fed a baby before... If, if you're not paying attention to yourself, as you're you know, giving that, was it like peas and like terrible sweet potatoes stuff, that's all, ma- that nasty stuff, right? And you're giving it to your baby, and if you notice, you find yourself making all the mouths, you're like, right? Yeah, You're doing it, and, and the baby's watching you, and it's, it's making the mouth, right? And that's called our mirror neurons, meaning that God softwired us in a way to we are actually designed to mimic the things that we're seeing, okay? Which means that you and I, it's not, our families didn't just teach us how to eat or smile or laugh, but they actually taught us lots of other things, and if we're honest, those things still creep up into our lives today. And I, I want you to hear the good news. You have a new father. And you have a new family, meaning that we can look at him through his word, through godly people, and we can begin to learn some new things that we can rewire and refire our minds to be like him. It's a beautiful thing. So Paul's going to talk about what does that mean. And what he's going to do is he's going to give us three phrases, and he's going to say walk three different times. So Imitate, and it's going to look like this. You're going to walk in these three different ways. And what we're going to do is just walk through the passage as he's telling us how we should walk. So starting in verse 1, here's what he says. You want to follow along with me? He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us And gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Now he's gonna get specific. Verse three, but sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you as is proper for the saints. He's talking to believers. Verse four, obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not not suitable but rather giving thanks. For know and recognize this, every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. He goes on to say, Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners." So here we have Paul getting specific about certain things, and what he's saying is, look, there's been a change of fatherhood. You used to be under the rule of the prince of the power of the air. That's the, that's the term that he uses. Now, who is he talking about? Satan. So he's saying that before we were brought into the kingdom of light, that we were under an old father, not just our family system, but a like a, an evil family. We were under the power of the prince of the air. But he says, now, you've got a new father. You have a new thing to look at, and what you look at in him, I want you to reproduce in your life. I want you to begin to mimic him. And he says specifically, here's the first footpath, that we will walk in love. Which means this, when you stare intently, At the Father, what you're going to see is love. Like the most astounding love that he says that Christ gave himself for you, that we are to walk. In love, and it's this kind of love that is like a giving love. It's it's a desire for the person that you want the good for them so much that you would sacrifice your own well being, your own good, just to give them the good that you want them to have. Like that's the level of love that God has for us, and that's what He's saying. I, I just want you to walk in that kind of a love, and He says very specifically in a negative way, which means. That there should not be any sexual immorality, any impurity, or greed among you. Now, let's just take a second and talk about what those words mean. Sexual immorality, the, the Greek word is porneia, and it was a whole host of things that were included in that terminology. Now, he is in this a Hebrew world Paul is a uh, he's an ex-pharisee so he was he was a man of the law he knew the law by heart and so when he uses a term it's a term that would have had it would have had very specific meaning for the people that are listening and here's what the term means it means any sexual intimacy with any person that is not uh, your your husband or your wife in a monogamous a covenantal relationship. So anything outside of that would be considered sexual immorality. Any behaviors outside of the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. So let's just get real specific. We did a couple talks on this before the summertime, and here's what it means. It means pornography is absolutely not walking in love, not walking with God. That sex outside of marriage is not of God. It means that homosexual behavior is not of God. And specifically, that these are anti-love. Now I know what you're thinking, what? Like our culture is telling us that love is love, no matter how you express it, as long as it's consensual, right? Well, not according to the author of life. This is not what he has taught us. He specifically has taught us that these are anti-love, and what that means is that sexual immorality, it's seeking your own pleasure at the expense of another person. It's anti-love, okay? so. For example, um, if you are a, a, a man who is married and then you pursue any sort of sexual relationship with another woman, you are, you are breaking covenant with your wife and you are harming her because you are doing something at, for your own pleasure that harms her. It is anti-love, right? Right? Um, It it does not properly respect the other person that these use, and they abuse people, and our culture might say that as long as it's consensual, it's fine, but the Lord has said that it has to be not consensual. It's covenantal. Now, this is so important for us as the salt and the light of the earth. Paul says these things shouldn't they, they should not even be a, even a hint of this among us that we are to be people who love the lord in such a way that we would say god i accept your conditions for what it means for me to live my life i'm going to walk in love he uses another word impurity and that word is anything that's filthy, it's dirty, it's morally corrupt, and it can be connected to sexual immorality. I think of it this way. Have you ever been somewhere around certain people or in a certain place, and you just felt like gross at the end? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like the things that people are saying or doing, or maybe it's like you know, things are, 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 are around media or whatever, and you leave there and you're like, I just feel like I need to take a shower. Like, I just feel so gross right now. That's impurity, right? That's being in the presence of things that are like defiling to us. And he says, look, th- this should not be among you, followers of Jesus. That should not be among you. Greed, a covetous, insatiable desire for more, more, more. More. Now, some say that he's connecting all this with sexual immorality, which obviously we know that there is a, 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 a in that temptation, there is like a more, 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 more kind of a thing. But I, I don't think it's limited to that. That greed obviously can be material or worldly goods, money, to always want more. And, and the scriptures constantly call you and I, as followers of Jesus, to this world word that's simply contentment. Contentment releases thanksgiving, right? So Paul says all these things, they're anti-love. These these are not walking in love. And I want you to walk in love. Now this is, let's talk about this for a minute. Some of us in our family systems have had brokenness connected to all these kinds of things. And in your family, you say, well, I mean, most people in my family get divorced, so I mean, if my marriage isn't working out, I mean, that's just kind of how our family is. What I would say to you is not anymore. New father, new family, new family, new footpath, right? Or, or you, you might have a, a certain brokenness in your family where you're like, well, all the men are kind of, you know they, they kind of go after the ladies and they're lustful or whatever. Not anymore, new family, new father, new footpath. You, you say, well, homosexuality is, is kind of common in my family, it's, it's, it's really normal. Not anymore, you're in a new family. Or, self-loathing is common in my family, there's just a lot of depression. No, not anymore. Victim mentalities, not anymore. Right, eating disorders. Right, we're we're so concerned with how we look because we're, we're you know we're in the the world's mindset of of sexuality. That we just we want to look a certain way. And I would say, no, no, not anymore. N- n- new father, new family, new family, new footpath. See, this, this is a a, a chain breaking message that he's giving us to walk in love under a new. Father, Jesus, the chain breaker, sets us free to walk in love. And it's part of how we mimic the Father. The second part, he, he says this in verse eight. We'll pick it back up. He says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. For everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, get up sleeper and rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. So Paul told them to walk in love. And the next thing he says is, I want you to walk in the light. To walk in the light. Do we have any old DC Talk fans? Anybody remember DC Talk? I want to be in the light as you are. Yeah? Yeah? Some of you are like, stop. You're going to get it in my head. I, mean, I don't want to sing that all day long, okay? So he says, I want you to walk in the light. Now, in the scriptures, light is always about purity and illumination. There, there's a moral quality of light. There's a purity about, of light. And it also is connected to life. In the beginning of John, when it talks about Jesus, the word, he came. And it says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. That, that it's, it's the eye-opening life of Jesus that comes into us. It's light. Um, in 1 John 1, 5, it says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him at all. That God is light. And, and here's the thing that we need to understand is that if you're going to be a person who is trying to mimic the Father, when you stare at him, what you're going to see is the God of all light. The God who, who is, who's pure and holy and who illuminates with his very presence. Um, here uh, in, the, in the beautiful air-conditioned spaces that we live in, Sometimes you might go to like a movie or uh, like my wife's been in trainings for teachings. She's going to these school buildings and she's like, I went into the room and it's like in the middle of the summer, like I needed a sweater. Like it was so cold. The AC was cranking so hard. How many of you just love this, right? You you love the cold. I'm that way. I'm like, right now I'm sweating. Like, let's turn it down even more. Like 65, I'm good with that. Let's go to 65, okay? Okay. But then when you're in the middle of the air-conditioned room and you walk outside into the light and you have that sensation, right, where you're just like, ha, ah, right? This wonderful feeling of being in the light. This is what he's talking about, this purity and this illumination. He, he says this, that the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, and goodness is, is simply this, um, this perfect self you know, like emptying, wonderful, moral, upright kind of thing. It's, it's to be good, right? We, if you've been around people that are just good, there's just like an uprightness about their life. He says that the fruit is, is goodness and it is righteousness. And that word righteous simply means the state of one as they ought to be. It's, it's how things ought to be. They're, they're right, right. So goodness, righteousness, and then he says truth. And truth is what is true at all times, in all places, in all situations, and to be in accord with this. He says, this is what it means for us to walk in the light, that we would have the fruit of the light. And then he contrasts this with what he says is the fruitless works of of darkness, meaning these bear nothing good. And if you've been in a family that is full of darkness, you know that the things that you have been handed do not produce good fruit, right? You find that, that the relationships, like if you walk in the footpath that you were handed that was not of God, what happens is the same brokenness that followed your family before you begins to follow you. Right? The the relationship issues that you had there, it's like you reproduce those things, and it's simply because we've been mimicking an old father. A father, Paul says, that's the prince of the power of the air, and that he only wants to hurt you. He only wants to ruin your life. He only wants to harm you because you're an image bearer of God. It's like this will not bear fruit. It's just going to equal darkness. But we have an opportunity to walk in goodness, righteousness, and truth. Scripture says, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, because they will see God. And so there's, there's a call in us for this kind of purity. The, the, the second part of light is to be illuminating, and he uses the phrases that we would be able to discern, to prove, to test what is pleasing to the Lord, right? And you and I make decisions all the time, and some of those decisions were kind of like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should take this job or if I should stay with this job, if I should you know, put my kids here or put my kids there. or you know, We have all these decisions that we're making and if we're honest, we're probably regularly asking, God, what is your will for us? What do you want us to do? And he's saying that God wants to give us light and that God's gonna help us make decisions that we will be able to actually test and know what are the things that please God? It, it, it extends to the, the habits of our life, just the little things that we do. And there's times where God says, you know, that's not really pleasing to me. And you're like, oh, sorry, God. I'm gonna lay that aside. And I'm gonna do what pleases the Lord. He uses the phrase that it exposes the work of darkness. Now, what I don't think Paul is saying is that we would walk into church and be like... Some darkness in your life, I can just tell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm getting something right here. I'm getting something from the Lord, you know. No, I don't think that's what he's saying. I don't think he's saying that you need to go blow up every room that you walk into and say, you know, that's darkness, you know, get out of here, you know, that kind of thing. What he's saying is that there's, there's a quality about your life that when people are around you, that you are a light bearer and that there is a, a sense of the, uh, we, we call it the, like the, the countenance of the Lord. There's something about your life that it exposes darkness I have this um, opportunity as a pastor when I, when I go somewhere where I don't know anyone and like you strike up a conversation. And so, you know, someone comes, you know, maybe to my house to work on something and uh, we start the conversation and they're just, you know, f and that and f and this and f and that and what do you do for a living? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. I uh, Right? You know, there's... I don't know what it is. It's like, uh, sometimes I don't tell them because I'm like, I don't, I, I don't want to bring shame or like whatever we just did there. Uh, there's no condemnation in me towards this person, right? So I'm just not even going to say it, okay? But, but there's something about a, a Christ follower when, when you're just living authentically, right? Just living your faith authentically, there's light that comes out. And what it does is it, ex- it exposes darkness. And when someone's in darkness and they're around light, darkness becomes really obvious to them you are like, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe I shouldn't do that. And that's what he's talking about, just being an authentic follower of Jesus, not being mean-spirited, but just being true to him. He says light makes everything visible. Years ago, we took my kids uh, over the summer to a place called Natural Bridge Caverns. Have y'all been there before, right? And uh, you, you go down into the, the cavern and... Um, at one point in the tour, right, when you're looking at all the cool stalactites and stalagmites and all that kind of stuff that's there, they, um, they do the blackout, right, where they turn off all the lights. And when you're in total darkness, I mean, it's like total darkness, I mean, when they cut those things out, it's like you can't even see your hand in front of your face. You're like making sure you're holding on your children because you're like, I don't want them to like, you know, fall off a, you know, a stalactite or something, right? You know, so it's, it's like pitch black. And so it's this picture of like literally in darkness, you cannot even see what you're doing, where you're going. You, you cannot perceive anything. But this light has come to illuminate our lives and actually to show us where to go and what to do. It's goodness, it's righteousness, and it's truth. And friends, if there's darkness in your family, you can begin now to mimic the Father of heavenly lights. The last part, verse 15. He says, pay careful attention then to how you, here's our word again, walk, not as unwise people, but as wise making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Holy Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. So he says to mimic, to mimic the Father as dearly loved children. Walk in love. Walk in the light. And now he says walk in wisdom walk in wisdom. Now, your family line, you may have inherited some foolishness, okay? That that just sometimes that, that comes into our family lines, and the Bible always, it's always contrasting wisdom in folly this this wisdom is a it's not just a knowledge which it is a knowledge but it's applied knowledge it's to know what is right and then to apply it to your life it's to know when to use things and how to use things that's the nature of wisdom and paul says that as we fixate on the father as we mimic him what's going to happen is we're going to begin to grow in wisdom we're going to begin to learn how to take the things of God, the things that we know of him, and to apply it to our lives in very specific ways, that we're to be people who are wise. That word also means skilled or learned. Did you know that you are a skilled or learned follower of Jesus when you fixate on him? Right? So this, this word foolish is to be senseless, without reflection, Or acting rashly. We're to be people of wisdom. Now, let's just look at what he says. In verse 17, he says this so, I mean, sorry, verse 16, make the most of the time because the days are evil. Now, I want to remind you that Paul's not writing a letter to people with like cell phones and smartwatches and endless reminders and people who are trying to life hack their way through everything of like, I think I can edge out 15 minutes here and boom, and you know. He's not talking about our modern sense of our day planner and all that kind of stuff. He's talking about people who might have had a sundial somewhere in their town. Okay? So our American modern mindset, where we, we write books of like, make the most of the time. Buy this course for $5,000, and I will teach you how to make the most of the time. No, no, that's not what he's talking about, okay? He's talking about knowing what simply is God's purpose for our lives, to know what the Lord's will is. That you and I... We have an ability to prioritize the things that we know God wants our lives to do. And he says, look, make the most of the time to do that. To make the most of the time. He says that we are specifically to not be foolish, but to understand what the Lord's will is. And he says, and don't get drunk with wine. Some of you in your family line, there has been damage done by the misuse of alcohol and drugs. It's brought brokenness into your family line. And if that's your story, and you say, man, people in my family are just addicted, right? We just kind of... Do that. like That's just sort of the vibe of our family. That's, that's how we are. I want you to know that that's not your family anymore in Jesus Christ. I, I'm not bringing dishonor to your family. What I'm saying is that you have a new father. And your father, when you, when you fixate on him, when you begin to mimic him, he, he's not going to lead you into things that are foolish like that, we are going to bring harm upon yourself or upon your children. God wants to set people free from those things. And so he says, don't get drunk on wine, but rather be filled with the Spirit. Then he goes into this whole thing about songs and music. Now, how many of you love music? A few of you, yeah? So my background was music. I used to love music. I used to listen to music. I must be getting old because I love just talk radio. now. Do we have any talk radio people in the house, right? Some of you are like, I don't want to hear anything anymore. I'm so sick of noise that when I get in my car, it's like, please, I just want silence, right? In Jesus' name, right? <laughs> so I, I understand. But he's saying that there's this almost a lightness of the soul that when we're fixating on the Father, that there's a lightness of the soul that actually it, it, it comes out in singing, which that sounds so almost foolish, doesn't it? but he's connecting it with wisdom. So I I read recently that when you're singing, that there's this effect on your body where you begin to feel like the world is okay. There's something about it, when people sing, it's like all the stress just begins to leave and they're like, it's gonna be okay, you know? And to think that we can fixate as people of wisdom on the Father in such a way that in wisdom we would know, like, you know what? Ultimately, everything's okay because God is sovereign and He's my Father and I'm in His family and, and I'm going to be okay. And, and it releases singing and it's not foolishness, it's actually wisdom. He says to give thanks always for everything, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ, to walk in wisdom. And so this morning, as we close, simply what I want to know or what what I want to ask of you is where do you need to mimic the Father? Like if you're honest, if you could, you know, you've got hopefully amazing things that you've gleaned from your family, that you've inherited from your family, but maybe there's just some brokenness in you that you're like, I think that's stemming from some stuff that's kind of been handed down. We're not here to like cast stones or dishonor families or anything like that. What we're here to do is to say we have a new father and a new family, and we can begin to look more like him. So love, light, wisdom, Let's begin to mimic the Father. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To support our work, you can like, share, subscribe, or you can donate at rin churchorg